welcome to the NLCC Sermon Podcast. In a moment, we'll listen in on a message from our Sunday morning worship service. But first, if this is your first time tuning into NLCC, we would love for an opportunity to get to know you and walk with you in your faith journey. If you're interested in connecting with this church, head to our website, northliberty.cc, and hit the I'm New button, or use the links in the description. Our goal is to help you experience the transformational power of God in your life, and we hope and pray that you find that in this message. Two weeks ago, I had a young couple contact me because they wanted to start studying the Word of God together to help them understand it better and to actually know the reasons why they believe it and why they do certain things as Christians. And so they wanted some things that would help them on that journey, and I recommended the books I mentioned last week, Josephus and, and Josh McDowell, books on the evidences of God uh, from a first century his, a Jewish historian's uh, perspective and a 21st century apologetics perspective. Uh, and, and Josh talks about the medical aspects of it and archaeological finds. But, you know, again, sometimes the church needs to get back to the basics. We talked about a little this last week. It's something that is desperately needed in the American church today. Uh, those who have uh, positions of authority in this country itself have dragged us into the, into the swamp of moral relativism and chaos. People don't even know who they are anymore. Uh, so if we are going to survive any of this stuff spiritually, it is very important that believers, followers of Christ, Christians, have a solid grip on the basics of the Word of God. In this particular series, we're looking at a variety of things that we do, uh, why we do certain things, why we believe certain things. Uh, and, and John shared in his letter to the church, the Christians, in, in 1 John chapter 2, see that what you have heard from the very beginning remains in you. And he's referring to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The things that you heard about Jesus, don't let go of that stuff no matter what's taking place in your life. And so we do what we do and we believe what we believe. We have this biblical uh, worldview because we believe that God's word is very clear on, on certain issues and disciplines and we believe that his word is infallible. And, and we do things because God says so in his word. Uh, the, the Bible is a collection and this is kind of, we're gonna get into a lot of facts here, uh, some uh, visible proof, tangible things that a lot of people need to believe in the Word of God. But I don't know if you are aware that there are 66 books within the Bible uh, divided into two parts. You have the Old Testament and the New Testament. It was written by 40 different authors, 40 different authors. Think about that. 40 different writers wrote this one book, all from, uh, from different walks of life. You have fishermen and philosophers and, and peasants and kings and doctors and tax collectors and, and poets and scholars, uh, the rich and poor alike, the educated and uneducated. It was written in a period of 1,500 years on three different continents uh, in three different languages, Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic. So again, think about that. How do you get 40 different people to agree on anything? Okay, let alone three people in a board meeting. You can't do it. Even in your household, a husband and wife can't uh, decide on what colors to put on the walls or what kind of carpet to get, what kind of uh, you know, bedroom outfit to get. It's just always argument. And yet you have 40 people who wrote the word of God and it all came together. You have all the other factors over such a long period of time that have such a sweet flowing story of love and grace and redemption from beginning to end all without hiding the messy parts. 
The authorship is evidence that God was the one who was inspiring these men to write. The four Gospels were written by four different authors in different settings, but they ended up saying the same thing because they experienced it as well. It was a Holy Spirit leading, right? And Peter explains why the authors came to agree. So if you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1, and uh, Paul or Peter writes this. So I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the, the truth you now have. I think it right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body, because I know I will soon put it aside as the Lord Jesus Christ has made very clear to me. And I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. That's why he, we have the written word, the reminders of things that have happened in the past. We did not follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power of the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses to his majesty. For he, he Jesus, received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on that sacred mountain and that sacred mountain is referring to Mount Tabor the transfiguration that you can read about in Matthew 17 and we have the word of the prophets the Old Testament everything that was written prior to the New Testament made more certain and you will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts again referring to Jesus and here's what he's referring to above all Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the author's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Paul writes to young Timothy that all Scripture is God-breathed, that, that God is the one who inspired it. Just as God breathed life into man, he also breathed life into the written word. God didn't carve it uh, out in some stone tablets like he did you know, the Ten Commandments. God didn't uh, dictate it the way the Muslims say that uh, Allah did for Muhammad, you know, that God put him in a trance and he was kind of forcing his hand to go here and there. Uh, when, when Paul was in prison, multiple times, especially when, he's, when, was he, when he was in Rome for preaching about the death, burial, and resurrection of his Savior, Jesus Christ. This was around 60, uh, 65, 66 AD. The prison guards, the, the religious leaders, they never said that he was in some kind of constant meditative trance as he wrote the letter and his eyes were kind of all blurred over and he had no clue what he was doing. Paul believed and lived and preached the good news out of prison and in prison up to the day his life came to an end because he was doing so. He was preaching the gospel. The same is, is true of all the New Testament writers. Uh, they never stated that they were in some kind of trance and couldn't recall having written uh, their, their letters to the various churches or groups of people. Oh my gosh, I don't know what I'm writing here. Oh, it looks like 2 Timothy to me. None of that happened. They knew what they were doing. Each writer used his memory, his experiences, his own style to, to, particular, uh, to a particular audience that was universal and timeless, and yet they all landed with the same message. And why? Because God is the one who, create, who caught, or guided the results. God inspired and breathed life into each one of those letters. He caused the growth, according to Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. God is, uh, his word is true and will never come back empty of results. It will never come back void there will always be positive results of the message of Jesus Christ being preached 
In Isaiah chapter 55, Isaiah said this years, hundreds of years before Paul wrote. It says, as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so it is with my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it out. God can send his word through anyone in any manner he chooses because it is his spirit that brings about the results that he desires, not any man. In fact, Philippians uh, talks a wonderful story there where Paul is, is talking to the Philippian church and you know, he's talking about there's people that are out there preaching the word of God with selfish motives and others preaching the, the word of God with righteous motives. And, 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 and he says, what's it matter? Guess what? God is being preached. He is being exalted and lifted high. That's what brings me joy. That's what Paul was saying. And then in Mark chapter 9 and Luke chapter 9, some of the disciples of Jesus are coming to him because, hey, hey, Jesus, there's some people over here casting out demons and doing other things, and they're using your name, and, and, and we're going to stop. We want to put a stop to it. And, and God, Jesus said, no, 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 no. For crying out loud, leave them alone. My name is being lifted. God is being offered. Stop the nonsense. Jesus said, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all of truth in John 16. People have asked if the writers of the New Testament knew when they were writing that it was, it was the word of God. Well, Paul kind of addressed that to his Thessalonian letters where he said this. We also thank God continually because you received the word of God, which you heard from us. You accepted it not as the word of men, but as it actually is, the word of God, which is at work in you who believe. You see, that's the power of God's spirit. That's the power of the word of God, that he will move the way he needs to move in anybody out there, especially those who are looking for answers, who are truly answer, looking, uh, their heart's uh, intent is to find out who this God is who this Jesus is. I mean, why do some people, though, think that every other historical writing outside the Bible uh, could be real and survive, but not the Bible, okay? Why, why is it so hard to believe that he would communicate his will to his people in written form? Why do people have a problem with this? In John chapter 20, it says, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And so we have the written word so that people can believe. And that's what I think uh, Paul was talking about and Jesus was talking about man alive. If, if the body of Christ was starting lifting up Jesus and exalting him amongst the people out there in the world and start talking about good things, guess what happens? We get to turn the world right side up because we're talking about the power of Jesus. And we're not so focused on the nonsense that takes place in our world. That's why we believe the Bible to be the infallible word of God. It's living and active. Many people try to argue that we don't have the original Bible, so they try to argue it not to be true from that angle, but, but we have actual physical evidence from eyewitnesses, both non-Christian and Christian manuscripts alike. They're, they're, they're personal accounts of what happened in the life of Christ. Some of these people walked with, around Jesus' time. They knew people who knew Jesus. And, and as the disciples would say, we cannot stop preaching on what we have seen and heard. Nothing was going to interfere with sharing the good news. And when the body of Christ starts sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, you're going to have a lot less people out there doubting who Jesus is because the way you love one another, people will know that you are my disciples. And how are you loving one another? 
How are you treating one another? That series we just got through. But as you, as you look at the biblical manuscripts, here is something to consider that is very important for historians about whether or not the Bible is real, things like that. Um, uh, how many manuscripts are there and how closely do they compare to one another and even to the original? So if you take the works of, of, of Plato and Aristotle, their authenticity and accuracy has never been questioned and we only have 10 of their manuscripts. Never been questioned. There are more than 6,000 ancient manuscripts of the Greek New Testament, 10,000 Latin manuscripts, and over 9,300 other various uh, versions of the Bible. We have 25,000 early manuscripts of the Word of God. No other document even comes close. The next uh, most commonly copied document is Homer's work with 643 manuscripts, and all of them are partial. The Bible outnumbers those of Homer by 40 to 1. Homer's uh, was written, uh, some of his work was written in 850 B.C. Uh, the earliest fragment that's been found is 350 uh, B.C., a, a difference of 500 years, and nobody questions Homer's stuff. If you do, uh, if you challenge, uh, some of you students out there, if you challenge your, your, your uh, professor that may, may study uh, ancient literature and tell him, well, I don't think we have reliable sources here when it comes to these ancient writings, uh, he will say, well, of course we do. We have 643 manuscripts. That's plenty of evidence uh, to validate his work. You go into Shakespeare stuff. We don't have much of his. A lot of plays here and there. Movies are made out of it. I was watching last night on a show that Shakespeare, there are six uh, autographs of, uh, uh, original autographs of Shakespeare. You know how much one, one autograph is worth? Five million dollars. There's only, and it's, it's that much because there's actually only six of them. But we believe in him, don't we? We believe in his work. I don't have any pictures of Shakespeare. I don't know that he really existed other than this work. But guess what? The Bible has a whole lot more. With 25,000 manuscripts written within 30, 60 years, people have walked with Jesus uh, of the original. How could anyone seriously doubt that we have the original text of the Bible? Uh, of, uh, available copies of, of Homer's work, again, 500 years after the original. The earliest biographies of Alexander the Great were written uh, more than uh, 400 years after his death in 327 BC, uh, or 323 BC, and historians consider all of that work to be trustworthy. Why not the Bible? The New Testament has thousands of documents that we can compare today to test the authenticity of the Bible. Last week we talked about the Dead Sea Scrolls. There's only two books in the Hebrew Bible not mentioned in there, and one of them's Nehemiah and the other's Esther. But every other book of the Bible, the Hebrew Bible, is, is right there in, in, in manuscripts that were written back in B.C.'s way before the time of Jesus. And so when experts uh, uh, compare all these manuscripts together, they find that there are around 185,000 words in the New Testament, and scholars have a problem with about 400 words. That's it. These words they have a problem with will do, uh, do nothing to affect the biblical teaching. They're simply spelling or grammatical errors. They don't affect the meaning of the text. But some of the same people who have no problem validating secular writings want to disregard biblical writings. Again, why do you think that is? Josh McDowell, who set out to disprove the infallibility of the, of, of the Bible, says this. The Bible compared with other ancient writings has more manuscript evidence than any ten piece of classical literature combined. In other words, you can be sure that the Bibles that you have translated into the English language is 
pretty darn close to the original text. Well, here's a little bit more information outside the Bible as why we believe uh, it to be the word of God. Uh, but there are thousands upon thousands of archaeological discoveries that have confirmed the Bible. We showed some of those last week. Um, interesting stuff, but there, there's been a discovery uh, back in the 90s of a name of Belshazzar. Anybody, anybody remember hearing that name somewhere in the scriptures? Quite a few of you found in the book of Daniel, uh, the king of Babylon. The, the historian said that they claimed that no such king existed, and they found proof that Belshazzar existed. Archaeologists have discovered King David's name in stone as well, in monuments. Ruins of the walls of Jericho, for some reason, have fallen outward rather than inward when every other city that's been destroyed has fallen inward. Je uh, Joshua chapter 6, the ruins of Sodom and Gomorrah in Genesis 19 verify that they were destroyed by, suddenly by some hot, uh, uh, something hot enough to decimate the cities and cover it with ash. Those cities are still being excavated today, and guess what they're covered under? Ash, just like the scripture says. I mean, it's just one after another. I got some pictures up here of what the, they call this Hezekiah's Tunnel. Uh, uh, I mean, it goes deep. It was really cool stuff. Go ahead, next picture. Uh, this is down in here, carved out by mankind, way down uh, in, the, in, the, in the ground. Keep going. Well, this is actually Canaanite Tunnel. Um, there was a, a, the Hezekiah Tunnel went off into another area, but they all came around to the Shalom, a Pool of Shalom, and it was, that, theirs was underwater. Fresh water was still there. Next picture. Next picture. You can see the chisel marks from uh, ancient times as they, as they chiseled through the tunnels. Next one. Okay. Um, and uh, th listen to this. This tunnel was discovered, built in seven, 700 B.C., and discovered in 1837 and is still being uh, excavated to this day. But listen to 2 Kings chapter 20. As for the other events of Hezekiah's reign, all his achievements and how he made the pool and the tunnel by which he brought water into the city of David, are they not written in the books of the annals of the kings of Judah? And then in 2 Chronicles, it was Hezekiah who blocked the upper outlet of the Gihon Spring and channeled the water down to the west side of the city of David. We were there. We saw the, the Gihon Spring. We, saw, we walked through this tunnel. We saw where the water was going to house the palace of David and, and Jerusalem. It was just incredible stuff, things that people said never existed. Existed, but it's proof that it's there. In 2003, uh, archaeologist Robert uh, uh, Cornhook discovered something that was kind of cool. It was an ancient ship of Paul's day. Uh, and you can read about this uh, particular story in Acts chapter 27 if you want to verify it. But Acts 27, it talks about this Alexand Alexandrian ship of which Paul was sailing. It was caught in a horrible storm. And so the, the, they had to show uh, off the island of Malta. So here we're talking about details here. Uh, in order of, uh, to lighten a ship, they threw off the cargo, including the ship's four anchors. 1,900 years later, uh, Robert Cornhook studied the book of Luke and went to this particular area and he was diving off the coast of St. Bay or St. Thomas's Bay in Malta and 30 feet down, guess what they found? This was, this was just back in the, in the, in the, uh, in the two, 21st century. Um, 30 feet down, just like Paul described, they discovered four Roman anchors within proximity of one another as though they were cut all at the same time because something drastic was happening. Uh, and, 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 and Professor Bonanno of the University of Malta verified the anchors existed during that period of time. 
Sir William Ramsey, a former critic of the New Testament, didn't believe in God, didn't believe in the New Testament, did a detailed archaeological investigation of uh, Luke's writings. So in the book of Acts, Luke wrote uh, uh, Acts. He says this, in the book of Acts, Luke names 32 countries, 54 cities, nine islands, hundreds of details without a single error. Luke's history is unsurpassed in respect of its trustworthiness. Luke is a doctor, therefore he gave attention to detail. And if you were lying about something, you don't mention places, names, and events, right? Why do we believe God, the Bible to be God's word? Well, let me read to you another article from a secular point of view, written in, in Missouri, um, but it was, uh, it was a newspaper there in 1993. Listen to this. From the northern hills of Israel to the desert of Yemen, a string of recent archaeological discoveries have provided the first hard evidence for several biblical figures and events, many of which have been widely dismissed as myth and moral tales. Individually, the discoveries are important, but together they are shaking the field of archaeology and strengthening the words that Bible believers have had taken on faith. The most important of the new discoveries is evidence for the existence of King David. King David's story is an exciting tale of murder and adultery and deceit and extraordinary faith and courage. Scholars and skeptics have long thought that even David must have been made up. None of his stories were true. And then came Seymour Argentine of the Albright Institute of Archaeological Research calls one of the greatest finds of the 20th century. He says, in 1993, Israeli archaeologists digging on the Golden Heights unearthed a piece of stone from an ancient monument Inscribed on it in ancient Aramaic was these words, King of Israel, House of David. This is how they prove that things exist, and not just biblical stuff, but anything. They found the inscriptions. The story uh, so shook some scholars, they insisted that the find was phony and that the inscription had been incorrectly translated. A year later, scholar, uh, archaeologists found more fragments with additional inscriptions referring to the ancient king, and today the new scholarly uh, consensus is that David was real. Not because the Bible says so, but because archaeology has found it to be true. So archaeology is proving the word of God to be true. And that, that article shared more discoveries that, was, that had proven the existence of Abraham and Isaac, uh, which people doubted, and the existence of King Herod uh, that we read about in the Gospels all through the, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, there are over 30,000 archaeological discoveries, and that continues to climb day after day after day. They have, that have validated uh, God's word is there, it's true, it's real. Jody, Matt, and I uh, were actually walking the grounds of many archaeological uh, Bible uh, sites back in March. It was an incredible to see with our own eyes the places that are talked about in both the Old Testament and the New Testament that for centuries people thought were myth or child stories that are not to be taken literally. Jewish archaeological expert Nelson, and I say Jewish because remember a lot of Jews don't believe that Jesus was a Messiah, but they're proving the Gospels to be true. Uh, but as he said this, it may be categorically stated that no archaeological discovery has ever contradicted a biblical reference. Not one. Not one. That's incredible in and of itself. 
Like I said before, I don't need archaeological discoveries or experiences for me to believe that the Bible is the infallible word of God. I can see how people's lives have been changed because of the message of Jesus Christ. We have them in this room. Lives have been changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and and, and, and there, if, you, if you're a sports nut, there's a cool story by um, uh, Jonathan Isaac. He plays for the Orlando Magic. He, he's got a book out there and a, a YouTube stuff on why I stand. He talks about his testimony about why he believes Jesus as the Son of God. I just simply pray that I am actually one of those people that Jesus is referring to in John chapter 20 uh, about seeing or, or not seeing and still believing that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. But I, but I also know that these kinds of discoveries do help a lot of people uh, who are out there. It does it in some tangible way for them to deepen their faith in one's trust that God's word is true, that it is the infallible word. And when, we're, we're, when I am discussing stuff like this with agnostics or people that are on a free or ready to you know, kind of jump off the cliff when it comes to their faith, I show them this kind of stuff, especially archaeological. It's tangible things they can get their hands on and see, and it kind of brings their, their blurred vision back to what God's word is all about. And that's why we do what we do and believe what we believe. And, and I, I know I grew up in a church, but you can't take this stuff away. This is real. You can't deny it. We're gonna go through some pictures here. This here is the city of Dan. Uh, this is during the kings of Israel. This is where Rehoboam and Jeroboam basically brought division to Israel, split the, the north and the south, uh, and it created a lot of havoc in, in Israel. This, you can find this story in, in Genesis 14 all the, way through, all the way through Kings. You can go to the next picture. But they're actually, this here is in the city of Dan. This is a replica of this, the the. the Solomon's temple out of Jerusalem, they didn't have the money and resources, so they you know, kind of condensed it. Those steps up there are actual steps that high priests walk down, and they sacrifice on the altar right there in that square area. Next picture. This is a, the walls surrounding the city of Dan. You can see a person way up there. I mean, these, these things are huge, and this thing's about you know, three or four feet deep. The walls are just massive, and they unearthed this. This was all underground before. Next picture. Oh, that was quick. Um, uh, the next one is uh, Caesarea. Uh, this is on the Mediterranean Sea. You can see the beautiful Mediterranean. Uh, this is uh, Caesarea there. Uh, the pillars there. You can go to the next picture. Um, this is the, kind of the beachfront. That's looking where the Crusaders built. All those buildings over there, Crusaders built. So if you ever doubt the, the Crusades, that, that's actual stuff there. Next, next, uh, this here is looking out over the Mediterranean Sea, all the square areas. Um, those were pools ceremonial pools they were bathing pools there was a big temple here um, a lot just a lot of, and there's a lot of mosaics on it you can't really see it beautiful mosaics that they did with stone it's incredible i'll explain that in a minute next picture this is their theater it's not a coliseum they call it a theater thousands of people can sit, uh, sit in there i'm standing on the stage and they still actually use uh, a lot of these theaters uh, uh, to, uh, to still today next picture you can't see the inscription on there but it says i appeal to caesar this is, this is the place where, where Paul, in the book of Acts, appealed to Caesar. He, he, and that's why they sent him to Rome. And that's where he died. But this is the actual area. Go back. This is the actual area where Paul was imprisoned. He was under house arrest. This, this spot right here, it was overlooking the Mediterranean Sea. He was, he was basically a free man, though, in prison. He had a lot of freedom because they respected Paul because he was not afraid to lose his life for the gospel of Jesus. Um, the next area is King David City. Um, now, that's modern. Next picture. 
Um, this is under a, under a town. They discovered the palace of David in 2005. This was just recent. That David didn't exist. They discover his palace. And, and so they kept digging underneath the city or this town, and they're bracing it up, and they're still digging away, finding all kinds of archaeological finds with David's name on it. Uh, next, next picture. Uh, this is the front of the palace. You can't, it doesn't look like much other than a bunch of rocks. Uh, but those are storage areas, and the palace would have went up a whole lot more. And, and when I'm there, and I'm looking at this, and I'm overlooking the Kidron Valley, and I'm seeing across the valley. Uh, next picture. This, right below us is the Kidron Valley, and over there is, is a part of uh, Jerusalem, you know, the poor top part, and this is where a lot of David's military guys would have lived. You guys, you guys remember the story of Uriah? Right across there, and even at some of the bases of those, those houses, they're actual, the foundations of the, uh, the homes back from that David's period. But David's palace would have been overlooking this. And I never understood this, the, the story of David and Bathsheba. How can you look across somebody's rooftop and still see you know, everything you wanted to see? And David's palace is way above the valley here, and he's able to look over, and guess what? His, his commander-in-chief, his home is down there. His beautiful wife's up on the to- uh, 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 housetop, and he, over, he sees her. He, didn't, he doesn't need binoculars. He's able to see what's going on. And it just made so much more sense. Like, wow, this is, this is just crazy. It's the next picture. I can go on and on. Um, the next spot, um, oh, and that, that was the same spot that, that uh, again, um, Solomon would have had that wise decision, I'm going to cut the baby in half. You remember that story? That was the same spot in, that, in David's palace. It would have been Solomon would have had a, a palace there as well. And it, like I said before, every time somebody conquered, they, they build upon that kind of stuff. Um, but the next spot here, this here is uh, En Gedi. This is a kind of a cool place. This is a place where David could have killed King Saul. He's fleeing for his life. King Saul's after him. Uh, Saul's son, Jonathan, him and David are best friends. And you talk about a wilderness of death. If, if, you, if you were a, a, a away from this area right here, it's just it's lifeless. And, and when, I, when I go through this stuff, and I, all I think of David... Uh, writing his song, the 23rd Psalm, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. That's nothing but death around there. But down deep in these gullies, there was the springs of living water. Next picture. Uh, these are the caves. I'm not saying that's where David could have killed Saul. You remember, if you remember the story, he's David, uh, Saul goes in there to go to the bathroom and David and his guys are in there. His guys want him to kill King Saul and David said, no, I'm not gonna touch the king. God's anointed. I'm gonna leave him alone. God will take care of him. I- I'm not doing that. He, will, he would never attack Saul. And, and so um, he cut off a part of his portion. Saul left after he went to the bathroom. Hey, I could have killed you. And, and David, or Saul kind of woke up and, and stopped hunting him down for a little while. Next picture. This here is one of the springs. It's right there in the middle of a desert. You, you don't even see it. And David was in this area when he was hiding from Saul. Next picture. Um, I actually drank from the, the water. You go, oh, you're going to get sick. Um, I didn't. I, I, you know, Holy Spirit was working. Kept me, kept me from getting saved. Anyway, there, there, was a, there was a couple there. I said, I wonder if this water's safe. And there was a young couple there. He grew up in, in Texas, but his parents grew up in, in uh, Jerusalem. And he goes, oh, my gosh, this is, this is where we get our drinking water. It's safe to drink. And, and his wife was an American. They were drinking the water. You can see Matt was there. Jody was there. Um, so it actually happened. Next place. This here is what they call an Ibex. You don't ever see these things. We're, we're going, our group is rushing to the, the, the waterfall. Everyone wants to see the waterfall. You'll never see these things. 
So me and Jody and a few others are kind of taking pictures and we kept hearing something down in a gully and next thing we know, hey, there's a deer down there. I said, there are no deer around here. It's like, probably that Ibex. No, there are no Ibex. And sure enough, seen the horns and this thing came up. Three more came up. So the, those of us who kind of took our time enjoying God's creation, we got to see this Ibex and uh, they were, how did you get pictures of that? I go, well, they were right down there if you guys would have looked. But you never get to see them and we got to see them. Next one. Next, keep going. This here was a really cool, this here is what they call Bashan. Uh, it's the largest Roman city in Israel. Um, uh, you can read the story of 1 Samuel chapter 31, but this, this, this place here, uh, next picture, you can see the pillars, and the, there, see the guy up there on the top, I had my zoom lens, this guy's up there drinking a bottle of beer and smoking a cigar. Um, and this is, this is one of the theaters, it was just beautiful how they built this stuff, and you're like, wow, how did they do this? Next picture. And this is a coliseum, just like when you're going in and out of a, a stadium, a football stadium, whatever. They had the tunnels coming in, uh, the lower and, and the, you know, the poor people and the rich people kind of thing. And it was just, a, it was just an amazing. Thousands of people could have sat in there. Next picture. Um, well, the, the, the hill up, up there, it's a temple. Okay, we got to climb all the way up there. That would be kind of cool. And, but then once we got up there, we learned what took place up there. That is the place that the Philistines, after they fought Saul and David, the Israelites, and killed, and David, or Saul fell on his sword because he didn't want to be captured by the Philistines. They cut off Saul and Jonathan's head and displayed it for all to see. They took the bodies up there to that temple. That temple is where they pinned the body of Saul and Jonathan on the walls up there. It was those temple walls, the actual walls, and we're up there standing by this stuff. And later on, David and his men came and stole the bodies down, gave uh, both of these guys, the, the anointed king and his son, a proper burial. Remember, Jonathan's David's best friend, but they're, they're dead now. But that happened on that hill. We were there. Cool stuff. It actually happened. Next picture is just an overlooking of the city. Uh, it goes further out. It's just a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful city. Mosaics everywhere. Their bathhouses. It's just incredible stuff. And we're like, you know, they're a bunch of cavemen living back in the day. No, they weren't. These were intelligent. Archae uh, uh, um, uh, what do you call them? What, what do you do? Uh, yeah, architecture stuff. <laughs> uh, <laughs> glad I didn't live back there because I wouldn't have lasted. Um, but beautiful stuff, beautiful stuff. Next, next picture. Um, go ahead. This here is Herod's villa, summer villa. I didn't know he had a summer villa in Bethlehem, okay? Uh, there's a lot of cool stuff in that hill up there. Next one. This is overlooking Bethlehem. Next picture. This is his villa, parts of his villa. It's a circular uh, building. It goes way down. Uh, they've got tunnels down there for escape routes down to water level. Uh, this here is overlooking the Dead Sea. It's an escape route, an emergency escape route. Uh, next, next picture. Um, you know how you see all the stones everywhere, and you think you know they, they did live a bunch of cavemen, a bunch of rocks. This is what the inside of their buildings looked like. They had plaster on the walls, and they painted them. Like it just, it was beautiful stuff. Now a lot of it, most most of them have you know been ruined, but this stuff is actual from from the time of time of uh, first century King Herod. It was just beautiful paint, artistry, and all of it would have been covered with plaster. Even under Jerusalem, we saw a lot of this stuff. The city of Jerusalem, next picture. Uh, go ahead and go to the next one real quick. This here is Capernaum, the town of Jesus. Go ahead. This is the temple that Jesus taught in. The flooring there, Jesus walked on those stones. 
he would have stood maybe underneath or sat underneath those pillars there and taught the people in that temple area. You can go to the next picture. Just more of it. Just, just incredible stuff. Keep going. All the, the, the housings, the, the people around the temple, those were either uh, marketplace stuff or it was rich people homes. Next picture. More of the same there. Go ahead. It's proof that I was there. Uh, more of the, this towns. The building off to the right here, this is over the house of that, where this is where, this is where uh, Jesus would have healed Peter's mother-in-law. It's her house that this is over. Um, that's Capernaum from a distance. But anyway, um, this is where, again, the, the, the four friends of the paralytic guy tore through the roof down into the little home. Um, next picture. This, we're up on uh, the Beatitudes, Mount of Beatitudes, and that's Capernaum right there, still just an ancient, ancient city. Next picture. There's a Sea of Galilee out there. Go ahead and go to the next one. This is Zippori. I mentioned that. This is a marketplace, a big place, a rich place that Jesus would have went with Joseph, his dad, to learn the trade. Next picture. You can see the mosaics down at the ground. Uh, the, ones up, the one up at top is, is uh, well, both of them, mosaics and homes, the, the rich people homes, okay? The poor people just had white squares, these guys had artistic work. And along the edges, they had their furniture. But this, the bottom one is what they call the Mona Lisa of Zippori. And what we learned there, if you got close enough, and we're like, wow, those are rocks. Those are actual rocks making those pictures. And the guys, and we're like, why is this so, so detailed? And he said, the smaller the rock, the more detailed the picture. What do we have today that does the same, has the same concept? Or televisions, the smaller the pixels, and they were doing it 2,000 years ago. They understood. These are itty-bitty rocks, and look how detailed it is. Next picture. Uh, one of the walkways, some of the walkways had the grooves of the, all the carts uh, that were worn into. This is just a marketplace. Next picture. This here is, is a, a, a guide. Um, when, you, like when you go into the mall, you look at or an airport, you can... You know where to go. They'll tell you where all your, the different uh, stores are. Um, you can't see them right now, but all the half, mo- uh, half circles and all the full circles, there's a picture in each one of those identifying where each of the shops are in the this, in this city. So you come into the entrance, you look for whatever you were looking for, and, and the one, the, the big circle, or the, you can't see it, the, where it's kind of tore up, there's a, there's a, a full circle, and part of, it's, part of that square inside the circle is gone. That's a carpentry one. And so they're assuming that could be Joseph's shop. Um, pretty interesting stuff, but you want to go to find some uh, uh, pheasant to eat or rabbit to eat or cattle to eat, you, you just find a place and you go find it in the market somewhere. Next picture. Just, just in, in, this is their theater as well. It's, it's still used today. Next picture. That building up at the top was built by the, the Crusaders. Uh, go ahead and keep going. This here is one of my favorite spots when we were there. This is what, uh, this is what the Banias uh, Caesarea Philippi, you can read about this in um, uh, Mark chapter 8. This is a place that Jesus is with his disciples. He said, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. This is the exact area. This here is the headwaters of the, the, the Jerusalem or the Jordan River. And see that cave back there? That's where it's coming from. It's a natural spring. But solid rock back there. Go to the next picture. You see all the, the in, uh, carvings into the, the stone wall there? There used to be temples, little church temples to various gods on that rock front. The next picture. This here is the, the spring. It kind of caved in, but the main spring went right down into a Roman um, a temple. 
Um, we'll show a picture. Go, go, go to the next picture. Uh, more ruins. Uh, this is towards the end of the, the rock. Just uh, Other temples to different gods. Go ahead. More of the same there. Next one. And I, you can see the picture up there. See the dip, different temples? This is what Jesus would have seen when he said those words to his disciples, upon this rock, I will build my church. So you have all these different temples of different gods, and Jesus is saying, this is all a bunch of nonsense. I will build my church on this rock, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That hole in the back where you saw that cave, go ahead and go to the next picture. Uh, go, uh, well, anyway, um, th- that, that hole in the ground is in the first century is where they said it was one of the gateways to hates. So Jesus is using the, the territory, I will build my church upon this rock and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Every one of those temples are tore down, but guess whose church is still standing today? God's church. Doesn't matter, but it was just, just one of my favorite spots. Uh, the, next, uh, the next two pictures, this here um, is the wall of, the wailing wall, you see it on the news all the time, and, and I'm like, why do they why, don't go any further, right there. Uh, that's me, Matt, uh, Jody, and, and Thomas. Um, they had sections for the, the women and the males. But that corner of Jerusalem, that wall, that's the, that's the western wall. And the reason that they pray there, and you, you know, see the guys getting their phylacteries and, and they're doing all this, it's, that is the closest place to the Temple of Solomon. In, in all of Jerusalem, that's the only, that's the closest place that they can come to, to the temple, because remember the Muslims own the actual area now, the temple area, and so that's why they pray where they're at, because it's the closest place to the, the, the Holy of Holies, their, their most holy place. That's why they do what they do. And, 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 and after this, you know, you always hear, talk about, you know, you hear camels, you see camels in a movie, you see people on it, but you never really seen one in the desert area and, and people riding on it. And we were coming into Mount of Olives and, and uh, there was a guy walking a camel, ah, that was kind of cool. And uh, so I took a picture of him. And then we got to showing and had some devotions and whatnot looking over the, the city of Jerusalem. And, and Jody's all excited. Oh, damn, you know, there's a camel down here. Hey, I got a couple pictures of it. He goes, I'm going to go get a picture. I just want one picture. Don't let me get on it because the guy's going to charge me a bunch of money. Okay, Jody, I won't. Just walk behind a camel. I'll take a bunch of pictures, you know, as you're moving. And we'll just kind of walk away as though we never took pictures. And, uh, but the guy said, no, $5, $5, $5. And like, okay, if you, if you go and try to barter, it's, it's a mess. Um, but... Go, you can see, go to the next picture. Oh, sorry, this is Sea of Galilee. Hold on to that story. Uh, sea of Galilee, looking at the uh, Gerardines, the uh, Gadarenes, where the demon possessed. Uh, this is a really another cool place. Next picture. This is Tiberius, old Tiberius. Uh, Herod's son would have built this. This is a city that Jesus would have gotten a boat and sailed across the Sea of Galilee to heal the demonic guy. That's, that's where he healed. Uh, next one. And, uh, and beautiful storms, a uh, uh, sunset after a storm went through of the Sea of Galilee. Next picture. Um, I'm reading some scripture on the boat, a little part of devotions there. Next, uh, Tiberius, a new Tiberius over there. Next picture. Uh, this is facing the Mount of Beatitudes. Um, and this is the Gerardines. Um, the, the hill out front is where there was an actual Roman site found there, so we couldn't go over there, excavation going on. But those are the hills, the slopes, the steep slopes that the swine or the pigs would have ran off into the Sea of Galilee. Really cool stuff. Uh, the little town up there, little village up there, the night before we had dinner at one of our guides' homes, and they, 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 he lives right there. And, just, and right behind that hill, caves and cemeteries, first century. 
And, and the demonic lived in caves and in a, in a cemetery, and, and, and it's all there. It's real. Next picture. This is our food. So you can actually see that we ate food there. Kind of fish and chips. That one fish was talking to me, so I ate him. Uh, and I'm telling you, it was white fish caught out of the Sea of Galilee. It was really good, delicious. Most people didn't want to eat because it can't eat a fish with a head on it. Uh, if you're hungry, you will. Um, but it was really good. It was really good stuff. Um, next picture. And this is a miracle happens. Jody's walking on water. <laughs> he didn't even realize that. I took a picture and, and uh, uh, it, was, it was kind of fun. He's even acting like, you know, the, you know some, somebody special. Uh, <laughs> look at that look he's giving me. Next picture. This is, you can see we were there, me, Jody, Matt. Uh, again, it was just a cool uh, opportunity for us to be there, there as friends and learn more. Next picture. I think, okay, now we're going to go into the camel thing. I got to go on it. All, this only happened because of Jody. Okay? Jody was all nervous, like I said. He did take the $5. Tim, please don't let me get on. He's going to charge me $50 more. And I said, I, I, I don't know what to tell you, Jody. But the guy made him get on it. Um, but you see the city of Jerusalem, that's a, a rock of the dome behind us. That's where the, that's, Muslims own that now, so Jews can't get in there unless you have a, a permit or, or uh, anyway. Next picture. This is Jody. This is one of the quick pictures. We were going we to take a picture and run. But the guy said, no, no, no. And look at Jody. He was so freaking excited. It was like a kid at Cedar Point. I loved the moment. And Jody got a five-minute you know, camel ride for his five bucks. And we, the rest of us, there's only like three or four of us, we got a 30-second ride for five bucks. So Jody started it. He made it. He, it was a lot of fun. Uh, I think that's really about it on the pictures. Guys, the re the, 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 I know those are just pictures. I got to experience it. You, you see some things up here, and you're like, oh, okay, that's cool. Uh, you, if you want information about a trip that Thomas is playing, it's on the board information. You can contact him about the possibility. But I'm telling you, it was, it was just cool stuff. But I believe the word of God, not just because I was able to experience that kind of stuff. Because I believe the word of God is real because, most importantly, because of how the Holy Spirit works in people's lives. People are changed because of what God has done for them and to them. That's how we change a world. We want to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ, then let's get off our butts, let's turn the TVs off, turn our iPods off, and start sharing the message of Jesus Christ. Because people out there, you know darn well people are out there and they're lost big time. They have no idea which way to turn. And the world is telling them to turn every which way except to Jesus. And that's our job. If you found value in this message, then we want to encourage you to subscribe to this channel. And if you know someone who needs to hear this message, then please share it with them. NLCC has another podcast called The Other Six, where we discuss what it looks like to have an everyday faith on the other six days of the week. You can find that wherever you listen to your podcasts, or there's a video version on our YouTube channel. Thank you for listening in and participating with us. We look forward to doing this again with you next week.